Hello and welcome to Mastermind Growth, where we share the wisdom, the insights and the stories from business owners. My name is John Cassidy Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host for this week's podcast. I'm your local Federation of Small Businesses Membership Advisor, meeting and supporting business owners from all industries. Today, I have the pleasure of having Deborah with us. Hello, Deborah. Hello, John. Hello, everyone. Thanks for taking the time out to do this because this is our second recording as we have some technical faults. It is our second recording, but I'm sure it'll be just as pleasurable as an experience as, as the first one was. Yeah, Fabulous. So let's dive straight in. Tell us about your business and what you do, Deborah. I run a business. Uh, the name of it is DLS, Safeguarding and Wellbeing Solutions Limited. And um, the first bit is probably uh, quite obvious. It's safeguarding adults and children. Um, and safeguarding is all about making sure that we identify abuse if it's there and what do we do about it. That's in a very small nutshell. And I've been doing that for 30 odd years or the business has been sort of moving in that direction for about 30 odd years. And then last year, I decided to formalise the mental health side of things because wherever you get a safeguarding issue, very often, not always, but very often, you will get something around parents' mental ill health or the young person's mental um, health issues. Um, So I decided to have a look at mental health first aid. I trained to be an instructor last year. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, And so, yeah, we do safeguarding and we do mental health first aid for individuals and organisations. And within the mental health, there's stuff around emotional resilience, around well-being, time management, um, anger management, and just generally making people feel better with sometimes just one or two small tweaks. So an important topic. Uh, but before we dive deeper into that, let, I'd love to hear a bit more about your story, how you got to where you got to. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try not to go too far back. Um, but I've worked with children and young people for a long time. And in fact, I'm currently working with them now. Um, when COVID came along and when the lockdown um, happened, and face-to-face training and consultancy just almost stopped overnight. Clearly, I had to keep, um, you know, finances going. So I sort of went back to my roots and I work with children in mainstream residential. And I also work with children in or who have learning disabilities and challenging behaviour. So I'm I'm currently doing that now. I do night shifts, usually about three a week. Um, But going back a few years, I started working in maybe not politically correct, but the remedial unit at a local school, special school, when I was in the sixth form, because they wanted people to do a paired reading scheme. And I thought, well, I don't know much about kids who have those difficulties. I've got some time on my hands. I'll pop along and see what that looks like. And absolutely loved it. And fast forward a few years, um, I did my nursery nursing qualification. Um, I've worked in, I went to work at a residential unit for young women, very challenging young women in Birmingham, Um, I've worked in youth offending teams in schools. I've worked in a secure unit in the south of Sheffield um, and also was the anti-bullying support officer for Rotherham Local Authority. So working with young people directly has been something I've done for a long time. But latterly, until a few (coughs) years ago, latterly, I've moved away from that and gone into the training and consultancy side. So passing on my knowledge to help other people do their job to the, uh, the best of their abilities. Fabulous. So uh, it's a big topic at the moment, mental health. Mm. And I think there's a lot of businesses, business owners, especially um, maybe 
struggling themselves or maybe have team members to struggle. So where, where would you start with something like this? I think it's about being observant. I think it's about keeping your eyes and ears open. I think it's about not necessarily um, doubting yourself and what you might have seen. Even if nobody else is coming forward and saying, oh, I'm a bit worried about John in accounts, or I'm a bit worried about Jane who's on the sort of, you know, shop floor. It's if you feel something's going on, if they're not quite themselves, if you've seen a change, obviously, if they come and talk to you, bingo, you've got the information. But if you suspect, if you sense that something's going on, that gut instinct, that sixth sense can be quite powerful. So it's about, first of all, acknowledging something might not be OK and then working out what you're going to do with that. Do you talk to them? Do you talk to a colleague? Of course, around confidentiality, we have to be really careful. But once you've got that hunch or that feeling that something's not as it should be, what do you do with that? Because you can't leave it. You absolutely can't leave that. So so what would be the first step to do? So somebody's got the courage up to actually come up and say, look, I'm struggling. Uh, where, where do you take it from there? I guess it. It might depend on what they're struggling with. It might be something that you can sit down and talk them through with. It might be a work-related issue. It might be a training issue. It might be a mentoring issue. It might be a coaching issue. It might be somebody being shadowed at work. So that, in a sense, might be easier because that's probably, for a manager or a supervisor, that's probably within their comfort zone. And lots of managers and supervisors do say to us, we freak out a little bit because we don't feel equipped to deal with these things ourselves. And that's a whole other issue. So if it's a work issue, you're probably feeling quite comfortable. If it's a non-work issue, how comfortable does the person that's come to you feel about expanding on that? Have you got as an organisation an EAP, an employee assistance programme, which are people who are usually independent of the organisation who will talk through on the phone or probably on Zoom where we are now. Um, issues around stress or marital difficulties or financial difficulties or lower level anxieties and mental health issues. So it really depends what they're coming to you with. You could maybe suggest or signpost them to places like the Samaritans, places like Mind places like the big white wall where you can self-refer, maybe suggest their GP, maybe suggest talking to their significant other if that's where the issue is. But I guess it very much depends on what they're coming to you with and how comfortable you feel. Right. So what if it's yourself and you, you're kind of struggling through, trying to do the best you can? Mm. What are some of the symptoms that is to look out for that you may be having mental health issues? You might not recognise them as mental health issues to start with. You might just think, oh, I'm not coping really well. I'm not myself. I'm not feeling the way I was a few weeks ago. Things seem to be getting me down a lot more quickly than they did before. I'm not eating properly. I'm not sleeping properly. Um, I may be, and again, COVID restrictions aside, I may be not wanting to see people. I'm not wanting to phone them or keep in contact with them via Zoom or WhatsApp. Um, your work performance may go down. Your libido, your sex drive, you know, controversial, but that might go down. Your ability to exercise. I mean, I, I'm a runner 
and I'm currently doing stuff online because, you know, clearly we can't go to the gym and we've got a little community going there, but you might not want to exercise. Daft as it sounds, your house plants, you might not look after your house plants. You know, your animals, you might not want to take them out for a walk as much. You, know, you might be a bit more slack at sort of feeding them and the care of, of your animals. The books that you used to read, you might not be interested. So there might be a whole list of things where you recognise that your commitment, your motivation, your energy levels, you might start what we call self-medicating. So maybe drinking slightly more than you would, or maybe those sleeping tablets, you may be relying on them more than you did in the past. You're maybe smoking more. Your healthy diet that once was maybe doesn't look quite so healthy. So I think if we're honest with ourselves, and sometimes we absolutely have to be, you will probably be able to tell that there's a cluster of things that are making you feel less settled and connected than you were before. And it's about saying, mm, I'm spotting something here. What do I do with it? Because we can all go into self-denial. You know, I've done it in the past. I spot something and I go, it's fine. Nothing to see here. Walk on. And then it comes and bites you on the backside. So I think it's about noticing a cluster of things and going, do you know what? I need to do something with this. And whoever you go to, and I remember when we recorded the first time, we were talking about who do you go to? Is that a stranger who you feel better to outpour to? Or is it a loved one because you've got that familiarity and that connection? You will know which is best. Do you want to go to the GP and get referred to a counsellor or do you want to keep it with a family or a friend? That's kind of the second stage. But there will be things that you notice. Maybe keep a diary, maybe get a, a, an idea of what the patterns and the trends are, when your highs and your lows are, maybe particular days, particular times of the day. Weekends can be incredibly lonely, particularly for people who maybe, you know, live on their own. They might have been going into work, but then they come back and they've got the whole weekend by themselves. So I think if we're honest, we will notice. And it's about then what do we do with that? Yeah. So one of the things I hear you saying is that don't dismiss the small things. Yeah. And, and interestingly, I think sometimes if we if we dismiss the small things, if we sweep them under the carpet, pretend they're not there, they can then build into bigger things. Or because our coping me mechanisms aren't there or our coping mechanisms are perhaps compromised, that then maybe breaks down our resistance and our resilience and our strategies and our energy levels, which then lets the big boys and girls in, you know, the really sort of big stuff that might then turn into depression. So absolutely, when we talk about safeguarding children, people often say, well, I wouldn't go to social services or social care until I was really, really sure. And we say, absolutely, no, you need to go the opposite way. When you've got an inkling something's not right, that's the time to act because you're saving a huge problem, possibly the other end of the scale. It's the same with your mental health. Even the tiny things, try and jump on them and understand them and take them to pieces and, and see what's going on. Don't leave it until it becomes something that, that takes a lot more attention. Yeah, and, and that's that kind of leads into sort of like, let's say you, you want to do something about it. What would be some of the positive steps you could take? There's a lot of stuff out there, John. So there's stuff like meditation, mindfulness, just, you know, sitting, maybe being still, thinking about what's happened during the day, unpicking things, maybe um, keeping a diary, as I've said before. There's the GP. There's lots of online services and lots of online um, 
things that you can tap into, talking to people, friends, colleagues, loved ones, the Samaritans we've already mentioned, but it's about finding the way that that sort of works for you, trying to make sure that you eat well, that you try and sleep well, you know, you're not staying up late, you're not burning the candle at both ends, you're showing yourself that phrase that's used loads these days, a bit of self-care. As a friend of mine used to say, you're putting your kind coat on, you know, you've got to be kind to you because other people might not, and you've got to kind of set your own standard. So it's about just maybe trying to quieten things down, try and work out what's going on and then access or source some of the things and some of the people that are around you. But what I would say is don't try too many things at once. You know, don't maybe go to the GP or don't access loads of online. Don't be talking to lots of different people because that might it might confuse the issue. Have a look at what you think is going on and then take it from there. And and whatever you do has got to feel right. So if talking to somebody online, you know, anonymously might work for you, great. If that is something that completely freaks you out, then you know instinctively to avoid that, maybe have a Zoom call with a family member or a friend. But there's a lot of stuff out there that you can tap into. It's just about maybe going online, looking, seeing, you know, what what's out there that, that might suit you and how you operate. Right. So what if you think maybe there's someone a bit closer to you, so maybe not work-related, but maybe your partner, yeah. and you suspect something might be going on, mm. would you bring it up or would you wait? Um, if you're asking me, I absolutely would. I mean, I don't, I don't have a partner at the moment, so I, I can't, you know, it, it's all theoretical, but, but if I did, and we shared the same space, and even if we didn't share the same space, I would say to them, because, you know, if you are in, if you are in an intimate relationship with someone, I hope there's a huge level of trust and commitment and loyalty there and respect. So I would be saying to them, you know, it's a difficult conversation for me to start, but I've noticed X, Y, and Z. I've noticed that maybe you're not yourself. You don't seem to be as, as switched on or as happy or as, as motivated as you were. You know, whatever your language is, you will know the language. But absolutely I would, because it could be that they're waiting for you to say something. It could be that they've perhaps noticed one or two things, but mm, they're not sure. And you know what? No one else has said anything to them. So if no one else has said anything to them, it must be okay. But if you are someone that they admire, respect, love, trust, all of those things I've just said, if you say, hmm, I'm seeing you slightly differently at the moment, this might be tricky for us to talk through, but I really want to help understand what might be going on. That might be the kind of green light that they need. And hopefully they will see that as a loving gesture rather than something that's confrontational or you accusing them of something. And that might start quite a productive conversation. Fabulous. So if there was somebody listening to this and they think they might need some help with sort of managing their team's mental health or would like some sort of sort of work around some resiliency, how, how would they contact you, Deborah? Well, I think um, they can obviously listen back to this and get the details if they miss them first time round. But you can find me at my website, which is the three W's.safeguardingandwellbeing.co.uk. My name's Deborah Somerset, so you can, you know, you can Google me. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. That would be great to speak to organizations who feel that they need some support. However, I would just say as long as you get some support, whether that's looking on the internet, whether that's getting some of the um the 
very basic tools that Mind might give you, or some of your the stuff in your local area, your um, your health trust may have put some things out. It's about finding out what you know what your team needs, and you might not know what your team needs. So have you asked them? Have you got a sense of what the um, requirements might be? Have you got a mental health strategy? Have you got a well-being strategy? Because, and again, I think we had this conversation first time round, John. Mental health and mental health first aid can cause people to freak out and go, "Nope, there's no mental health issues here." There might not be, but you know, we're we're having tears announced this afternoon, or I think they're out. I've got to check mine. And so presumably we are going to be in a difficult situation for a good few months. I think it's till the end of March, is it? And reviewed in, in December. So we are looking potentially at another few weeks of quite severe restrictions. Teams are going to feel that because teams have, have homes, have personal lives. So it's about finding someone to help you and the team to look honestly at what's going on. And yeah, you can bring consultants in. But you can also do some work yourself. As I said, there are free tools. Mental Health First Aid England have free stuff on their website. So with maybe half an hour looking on the Internet, maybe a manager, a supervisor, HR, you know, our human resources colleagues have a lot of responsibility for, you know, sickness and absence, etc. You can pull together some some strategies and some tools. But I'd be, you know, absolutely delighted to talk to people if they wanted to have a chat in confidence, of course, about the support that they might need fabulous and we'll put some of those details on the website as well okay great thank you for sharing your insights your caring and your passion about the topic you're very welcome it is a passion i'm really pleased you picked up on it and and um yeah i get very very animated so what i would say to people as as a sort of you know message to leave them with is it's okay not to be okay you know i've struggled during lockdown um i have some caring responsibilities for my mum um, she struggled. Lots of my friends who are very strong and very capable, men and women, have struggled. So it's OK not to be OK. But there's only one of you. You are unique. We need you. So it's about finding some help and some support. So don't be afraid to take that first step and say, mm, I think I'm wobbling. Where can I go? Who can I talk to? But yeah, thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you ever so much for your time. It's, it's been important stuff to talk about and um, very relevant at the moment. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, everyone. So this has been a podcast for business owners by business owners. Until next time, see you soon. See you then, Deborah. Bye-bye. Take care. The Federation of Small Businesses with practical help for business owners such as employment protection, navigating the complex, time-consuming and costs of up to £100,000 per claim for each of our members. Any questions, contact me at john.cassidy-rice at fsb.org.uk